What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, for the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen every single weekday, coming at you Monday through Fridays. Make it part of your daily routine and tell your friends to do the same as Locked On Blazers, your team every day. In today's show, I want to talk about the opportunity that is available for some youngsters. I want to talk to your Little, talk a little Jabari Walker, talk a little bit of Chris Murray. Uh, there is, the way the roster is currently constructed, there is just obvious opportunity for those gentlemen to be um, at least two and potentially all three of them. Uh, some combination of the two of them, probably Nazir and one of the other guys, probably Nazir and Jabari if I had to guess, but... Uh, potentially all three of them to be night one, day one contributors on this team. Like there is the way the Blazers roster is currently constructed and the way it's currently constructed is incomplete. More on that in a moment. Uh, there is, there is a chance for, for, you know, for some young forwards to step in and play major minutes. Let's kind of talk about the roster composition as it is. And then we'll hop in and your little, and then we'll shift to the two younger gentlemen, Jabari and Chris in the second segment. But the Blazers roster is just straight up not, it's not done. Um, if you don't include Damian Lillard, they've got 11 players under contract. If you include Dame, it's 12 under guaranteed contracts. If you throw in uh, Nate Williams, they could get up to 14. Um, you got to carry 15. You can carry as many as 20 up into camp. They still don't have one of their two-way slots finished. Like, this is just not a team, as you're listening to Tuesday, uh, July 25th show, like, um, you're just, um, it's just not, a, this is, this roster is incomplete. This roster is just, um, it's, they're not there yet. And we like, we're kind of post free agency in this sort of, um, doldrums of the league into, into the, in sort of the, the end of transaction time in the league and the Blazers roster is unfinished. And quite frankly, it just, everything points to what they've done this summer is that they're going to trade Damian Lillard because they're going to fill the rest of the roster by trading him for three players. Um, I've said it a bunch. I, I know that the sort of um, there's a certain part of the fan base that really wants the Blazers to play hardball and hold Dame out until you get the magic perfect trade. And like, I'm with you on the sort of I like the I appreciate the gusto, but I think just like logically reading the tea leaves, it seems like this team is like just um, kind of walking themselves into the path to make this trade eventually. Because if they were really like moving forward, they would have moved forward. Um, Clocks, clocks ticking, y'all. Um, it, it just, it, it seems like they're in a holding pattern because they know eventually they're going to make this happen. Um, and this doesn't, to me, it doesn't read like a thing that happens in December or January or February. It, it seems like a thing that happens this summer because look how, look how unfinished the roster remains. Um, I promised I wouldn't talk about Dame this week, but I needed it for the rest of the week after yesterday's show, but we needed context, okay? <laughs> we, needed, we needed context here. But with the assumption that uh the roster is semi-finished and we'll we'll for for the purposes of our discussion we're going to assume that Damian Lillard is not a part of the night one roster if Dame is um there's still the roster is like very much still incomplete like they still need uh, more big men and a couple forwards and maybe one more um like one more guard I guess that not necessarily because you just Dame fills into that role and you have Keon Johnson as your emergency guard so but they would still need bigs even if Dame's part of the plan like just to like run a functional NBA team so with this sort of assumption that that it that things seem incomplete and and to me the tea leaves I am reading seems like this is just like eventually this is going to happen because otherwise wouldn't they have done one other thing to improve the roster at some point maybe just maybe 
Um, <laughs> signed one player off the roster to, to, to join the team. Um, but they have not. So because they haven't and the roster is incomplete, there's opportunity for um, for the particularly young Fords I want to talk about today. For, for Nazir Little and for Jabari Walker and for Chris Murray. The the starting rotation, to uh, my my assumption is that Matisse Thibel is your starting three and Jeremy Grant's your starting four. And that uh, Shaden Sharp plays a bunch, probably, I would guess, more minutes than Thibel does overall. But comes, you know, comes off the bench, plays some backup three minutes, plays some backup shooting guard minutes. He's probably more two than three at age 20. 20, but it's fine. He can swing up and play and play the three spot on against plenty of backup units in the league, and it won't be a big deal. It's a big deal if he was your starting small forward in terms of size. As against second units or mixed bench and starter units, it's not as big of a deal. But I think you know there's there are there aren't a ton a ton a ton of minutes at three. There's a ton of minutes, or at least. 15 roughly uh to be played at backup four uh because jeremy grant's you know you pencil jeremy grant in for 33 who else on the roster plays in that spot that's going to be some combination of azir little some combination of jabari walker some combination of chris murray Nas pretty much settled into playing mostly three last year uh he started early in his career because he couldn't really dribble um or pass and he was just kind of like mostly playing power forward those positions are like the difference in two three and four is relatively subtle in the league um it's it is uh, obviously there's like you know when you see it but there but it, it is those positions are more about some in a lot of ways who you guard and what you're able to do on offense and as a little expanded to be a little bit more competent of a shooter and have you know um he still still doesn't really have a handle, but he was at least a little bit more of a sort of spacer type as he in his last two seasons. Uh, he's expanded more to being, pro, you know, because of his size, he's probably better suited to play mostly small forward. Um, the distinction there is mostly who's playing next to him. <laughs> if the Blazers are super small, maybe Nas is the four because they just don't have a lot of guys who play those positions. But in a perfect world, he would play as the as the shorter forward, and then there would be a bigger forward next to him. That would be the perfect world. The goal for Nas to be like a like a contributor, like I think he'll play. Like obviously, I think he's like in part of the rotation on night one. I don't, there's not a lot of competition the way the roster's set up that like Nas is going to lose his spot or has to fight forward in training camp. But there isn't like a huge necessarily huge minutes available for him. There's like half the game. He could probably play like, you know, 15 minutes of sort of backup e-power forward, some minutes of of backup three uh, as as they sort of cycle through the Matisse, Matisse Thibel out, Shaden Sharp moving down to the two type of minutes um, and play 24, 25. I think that that's no problem for Nas to be like penciled in for about half of the game from night one. But he just, he has to be available. That is like, that is such a big thing for him. You know, he had such a weird transition to the league. He came in, he's the 2019 draft class. So that means that, you know, in March of his rookie season, the world changed with the the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And that means year two of his career, if you're the 2019 draft class, year two of his career was a 75 game season, 72 game season, 75, 72 game season that started in December. Like that's not, that's not NBA. That's not NBA year compressed 72 games, um, you know, a whole bunch of four game weeks packed in there, like just too much, too much basketball. But the last two years, uh, they kind of, the, as the NBA schedule has reset, they've had 82 game schedules. He played 45 of 82 and then 54 of 82 in, his, in years three and four. Availability is huge for him. Like Nas just has to be on the court to play. Um, with all of these guys, with Murray and Walker, I'm going to talk about shooting. Nas 
shot it okay last year. Uh, 36% on like three attempts per game. There was a time early in the season when he was shooting north of 40%. Like he was really shooting the ball well. Um, I'm not super worried about him as a standstill shooter. I'm worried about him getting the most of his athletic gifts. He's a really good athlete. Um, He hasn't quite put it together on defense. There's times when he's shown this ability to guard the ball right in front of him, and there's times when he just um, he hasn't been consistent there. He's still not a very good team defender, but he can get there, and I think more time on the court can help him get um, just improve a little bit defensively. Um, But for me, it's his athleticism in the half court. His handle is such that he can't get himself to the rim because he doesn't have a lot of wiggle. But if he could you know, attack closeouts because, okay, this guy shoots right around league average from three. We have to close out on him when he's, when he's open. And if he shoots better than that, it gets even more dangerous. He only took 27% of his shots at the rim. According to cleantheglass.com, that was in the 43rd percentile among forwards. Um, significantly worse than like a Harrison Barnes, um, right in the same range as Cam Johnson, who I think if, if you had, if I had Dorian Finney-Smith is right in the same range sort of percentage of shots of the rim. Those are spacer types. I've actually, I would have guessed Cam Johnson had a little more rim juice than than that, but I'm, but some of it is roll, right? Um, it is, Nas has to be up and just, he has to be more frequent. He has to more, be a more frequent visitor to the rim. He just has to use athleticism for, for me. That That's the, the thing for him. Shooting's always going to be for role player types, like guys who aren't on the ball. The way the modern NBA works is if you're going to stand away from the ball, you need to be able to shoot it when you get it. Like that's, that is just a premium skill in the league now. But beyond that, Nas's ability to get to the rim in the half court, like a, a, an ability to, to use his functional athleticism on offense in the half court, going to be huge for him. Uh, you know, strides on defense would be a big thing, but for me, like a, a functional, like, I think the Blazers might be pretty bad on defense again this year just because of like the, their youth and young teams are typically bad on defense. So saying like, he's got to step up on defense is probably unreasonable of an ask. It's certainly something he needs to do to improve as an NBA player. I'm not saying, I'm, I'm just saying like in terms of like a thing, I think he can has a better chance of executing on being someone who gets to the rim more often. You can get to the rim more often in transition. If the Blazers run more and Nas can be part of an up-tempo team, I think he can thrive a little bit more. But for me, though, that's where he really needs to take strides on the offensive end and just sort of a complete a complete improvement, you know, 15% improvement across the board would be nice for him on defense. He guards the ball okay. Really rough in a team concept, and sometimes really rough when the ball's in front of him as well. Um, he's he's got he's got to improve there. But again, uh, realistic steps. Okay, let's talk about the two youngsters, Jabari Walker and Chris Murray. Both have an opportunity to be night one contributors, just because of the availability of forwards and the the lack of backup power forward options on the Blazers currently. Let's talk about how those two can fit in the second segment. Before we get there, though, let me tell you about FanDuel. It's a wonderful time to get in the swing of things at fanduel.com and bet on the MLB because you can get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can you can spend betting everything from the money line, over-unders, yurfies, nerfies, who's going to hit the first home run. You'll find all of it on an app that's safe, secure, super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball. All right. Let's talk about Jabari Walker and 
Chris Murray. Their spots available, um, you know, Jeremy Grant's going to, like I said, he's going to play 33, 35 minutes. So there's 13-ish minutes at power forward. As currently constructed, the Blazers do not have a backup center. It's, again, it's like, why haven't they addressed that? <laughs> I, why, why wouldn't they have addressed that at the end of July if they were really trying to compete with Damian Lillard on the roster? Um, you do not even need a tinfoil hat. You can just wear a normal hat and, and probably figure out this conspiracy theory. Um, it, to me, it's uh, we we shall see how uh, how this plays out. But to me, um, it seems like they've got to address something at some point if they're going to uh, if they're going to field an NBA team. And the deeper we get, it seems like the way to address it is one obvious way. But if they don't do that, or even if they do, I mean, if they do, it's like all of this sort of like how they fit and how they play in the minutes allocation doesn't really matter. But um, in late July, the minutes allocation, at least the math, like plays out fairly obviously there are Nurk use of Nurkic even if he is at his 100% physical peak which um it's been it's been a while um he's only going to play 30 minutes 29 minutes so like there's 18 center minutes to be had um I guess Jabari Walker is the Blazers backup center right now cool uh that's cool i'm glad that's cool i'm glad that jabari has that opportunity like they're gonna address it so this is like i'm mostly joking here when i'm saying that it's like uh it's silly but um there are minutes to be played at the backup big man spot i mean jeremy grant might be their backup center right like if, if they're really having to if they had to play a game tomorrow i think jeremy grant would actually play backup center minutes which is maybe even funnier um but Walker has a chance to play and uh, Walker is, is his contract is guaranteed. Uh, I believe it's first, first reported by Sean Hyken of Rose Garden Report. One of those funny things where uh, Sean reported it. But like if, if you wait until you wait until the, the next day and he's still on the team. Bingo, bango, bongo. He's still on the team. The, the team wouldn't even have to report it. They just would only report if he got waived. But um, as as first reported, as reported by Sean Hyken of Rose Garden Report, Jerry Walker's contract fully guaranteed for next season. That's basically a formality, but I would have thought it was a formality to guarantee Trended Walker, Trended Watford's contract, and yet he's gone. So formality's not so formal anymore. But but Walker looked good in summer league. Um, you know, he looked good in summer league as a rookie, and then had some flashes earlier in his rookie season. Then we got bigger, bigger cameos when it was like, okay, you're going to play a little bit more. It was just clear. He wasn't ready. Um, you know, the decision-making for him was a little rough. Like it just, it, it happens a little bit slow. He's, he, you know, he's like a, he was like a 20 year old, a second round pick. And he just like, wasn't much of, he didn't, he could do one thing by the end of the season. He could rebound at an NBA level, but he couldn't really score. He didn't really have like, positive impact on defense ever but like young guys don't do that so it's like hard to hold it against them like oh this guy the 57th pick in the draft couldn't really defend in the nba like duh that's like why you get minutes so you can get better right like um that's 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 sort of the challenge of developing nba second rounders right it's like you kind of need them to play but they're going to struggle it's 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 the sort of the balance it's why the blazers going young will give us an opportunity for real development minutes right in front of us in games that count all year long unless of course they play hardball but um walker could rebound he can rebound it's the everything else for him didn't really finish inside very well didn't shoot very well but then he comes into summer league after after the kind of like what does he do on offense? How does he contribute on offense? Type of rookie year, which again, like not even it's like who who cares, right? Like he's it, it, you're when you draft a guy at, at, at 
with the 57th pick, who's 20 years old, you're hoping that he develops into something. You're not worried about rookie year. So coming in after that rookie year, Jabari Walker comes into Vegas for this league, this year in summer league. And I thought he looked good, like really comfortable. Um, drives to the rim and had some okay touch. Like just like knows where to be on both sides of the ball. Not this like crazy vertical athlete, which is like his like super slow motion drives where he um, kind of does a sidestep and barely gets off the ground and uses his touch and kind of good frame around the rim to finish like he's um you know he's 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 fun like I, I i legitimately like jabari walker i think he's a fun player um and and uh you know it's, i like him as, as as like a guy he's a fun he's a fun interview um he looked pretty good in summer league and he and he shot it pretty well in summer league like he he was six of 12 from three i'm not sure 12 three pointers in vegas matter in fact i am certain that they don't um I don't think 12 three-point attempts in Las Vegas are like a meaningful number for Jabari Walker being like unimproved shooter. But to me, um, it's it's not like, it's not just the shooting. The shooting's gonna be a big deal, right? Because again, if you play off the ball in the NBA, you need to be able to shoot. He shot 28%, 28.6%. That's 16 of 56 on threes last year. And just at the end of the year when he was playing sort of more regular minutes, they just weren't guarding him. When the way they would guard pick and rolls is they'd say, don't guard 34. Um, and so like some of it is just like get a little bit of like command a little bit more respect from three shoot 33%, not 28 and you'll get there and then find another way you can contribute on offense. Um, you know, he's, I think Jabari Walker is a, is a intuitive passer, but not a very good passer, like physically and that doesn't make great passes, but really knows how to pass, like sees the game. Well, if you could just improve some, some, um, you know, make a couple better hook passes, be able to throw cleaner bounce passes, be able to to make the read, make the pass in the same sort of like think it, do it in the same motion. He could be a more positive contributor on offense, but for him, it's figuring out where and how he contributes in a positive way on the offensive end. That's huge. That That's the, for me, um, just do a, do, he can rebound. Um, I think he wants to defend and I think he has the, you know, he's six, seven and, and want, and wants to defend. That's, that has the versatility sort of, he has the, like, he checks some boxes to like, could grow into a defender. Um, but he, the, the, like the way he's going to be a positive in the NBA is do something on offense. Like, what do you do? And I think that's year two for Jabari. What do you do on offense? Do you score in transition? Do you score off offensive rebounds? Do you have good, does that little slow motion drive, does it work in at the in the NBA level? Like, what do you do on offense? That's, that's the question for him. Chris Murray is a really interesting young player, right? A little bit older, 23, um, spent three years at Iowa and then like, and his final season, in Iowa, he was a really good collegiate basketball player. Um, his brother followed a similar path and was a really good rookie for the Kings. I think the general consistent consensus for like draft folks is that Murray, Chris Murray, the other twin, the lefty twin, Chris is not as good of an NBA prospect as Keegan because he doesn't, um, he's just not as good of a shooter and he's maybe not as, um, functionally athletic. And, you know, he's like, probably going to be an NBA player, but he might not be like what Keegan Murray is, which was like a really competent rookie, a guy who started a, a whole bunch of games for the third best team in the West and like played solid basketball in the playoffs against the Warriors after some rough games to open that series, but then like kind of figured it out and was straight up like better than Kevin Herter in the playoffs. Like he was, he was like a legitimate contributor on a team that almost made it to the second round pretty pretty solid if chris murray's anything close to that that's a great pick at 23 go look at the recent history of 23rd picks um it's hard it's hard to draft that deep in the draft hard to get hard to get the draft right 
I think in theory, at least like from the draft scouting I've read, I'm not, I haven't watched like a ton of Chris Murray tape and I wouldn't, I wouldn't claim to in this space, but theoretically his value is that he is a versatile enough defender to play three and play four in the league and can shoot it. He didn't shoot great in college. He wasn't this elite shooter. Second season in college shot 38% on three attempts a game. And then in his third year, his final year of college, you know, he upped his, he he took seven threes a game, six, six point eight threes per game, but he shot just 34%, 33.5%. The accuracy didn't come up with the volume. If it did, he's probably just like not around at 23. He's probably the 11th pick in the draft, right? Six, seven shoots 38% on seven attempts a game is like, oh yeah, that's a modern NBA forward. Give me that. He wouldn't, he just wouldn't have been available at three. Maybe it would have because 23 is ancient by NBA draft standards, but it's fine. I, I promise you, it's, I promise you it's fine. Um, it matters maybe for like his overall upside if you're like projecting a seven to 10 year window. But like if you're projecting a three year window, it's totally fine. Um, if you're projecting like, will he be good on his rookie contract? I, 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 it's not as big of a deal, but age certainly matters with upside. In theory, he's a good defender. Like in theory, the, the scouts think he can be a good defender. NBA NBA draft types. My man Raphael Barlow thinks that he can be a good defender. Um, we'll see. I just wouldn't bank on any rookie to be like positive on that end. I would say if if Chris Murray is a consistent non-negative on defense, he's going to play a ton of minutes. He's going to be really fun. The shooting and the and the how he scores are, is really interesting to me. If he can, if he's a thirty-eight percent shooter, and he looked like I liked the way his jump shot looked in Vegas. Like I liked the way it looked. Um, it didn't go in at a super high clip, but I liked the way it looked. Um, he was eight of twenty-five from three in Vegas. Did not did not shoot particularly well, but he had one really big stinker game, um, and then followed it up with a better game. Uh, the form again, like I don't, I'm not sure. 25. The way I know, 12 threes in Vegas don't matter. I'm not sure 25 threes in Vegas matter, but I think the just like the way he shoots it, I feel like yeah, he might be a he might end up being an NBA shooter. And I thought he scored well on the move in Vegas when they got him on the move. I thought he looked better, particularly going to his strong left hand. If he can be a cutter and be just like a true sort of like spot up I take spot up threes and I cut into open space as a role player he has a chance to um be that be a contributor early on I would assume that he is outside the rotation looking in as currently constructed um right now but certainly he should play you know like he should get a he should get an opportunity in the first five games to see if he can play and then if he can play give him the like give him a much longer cameo the Blazers have a luxury of next year of like um, of this upcoming upcoming season. It's like, they're not really trying to be good. Um, you don't want to have all negative minutes. Like you don't want to stink. And I'll talk about that in the third segment, but it's okay to have, it's okay to play guys who are going to struggle a little bit and say like, Hey, no, we're still going to give Chris his 12 minutes. Cause we're going to let him get his 12 minutes and like get figure it out because the point, the, the thing that we're trying to do this year is collect enough data to figure out what works. I think the I think the young trio of forwards is intriguing. Like I, Little and Walker and Murray, I'm not sure any of them have like high level starter upside, but they certainly all have like really good role player upside. Like this is like good sixth and seventh men types. If 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 it if it all comes together, if you find three guys who can be competent bench players who are six 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 seven and six eight can guard multiple positions and shoot it at like league average that's exactly how you build what looks like a competent team if little walker and murray all hit their 
I don't know, ceilings, but all hit like positive outcomes this season and are like mostly, mostly getting better. Like the, the graph continues to go up. The graph never goes in one direction in development, but like it mostly goes up. I think, I think you are building the type of stable of and depth of forwards that you need to build a good team. And the Blazers can collect enough data to figure out which one of those, what combination or, or which two of the three, or if all three are going to be part of the plan and how much and who, who kind of steps forward as part of that plan. Regardless of what that plan is, I kind of think Yusuf Nurkic has value on the Blazers roster if they go young. And I think that goes against most of my logic up until maybe 30 minutes before uh, right now, which is when I started recording this program and thought about um, an email from listener Jeff who asked about veteran centers. That's Dr. J. Dr. J, let's talk about veteran centers and everyone else you can come to in the third segment. Join me there, won't you? Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. Got an email as I was setting down to record this show from longtime listener Dr. J who asked about on yesterday's show, I talked about some upside centers. Uh, Nemeus Keita from from uh, who's currently in the in the Kings system. Uh, Fiondu Kabangele, who's most recently of the uh, of the Boston Celtics organization, and maybe bringing back Olivier Saar. And it's like these are going to be minimum guys. You know, they're in their middle twenties. They're 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 sort of upside. Throw a dart. Probably never going to be starter level bigs, but worth like if you're going to go young, you might as well take a flyer on guys that could fit the core a little bit moving forward and listener dr j sent a question basically saying like don't they need some vets in the room and i had talked about the value of vets before but like specifically dr j said like what about just like someone who can set a really good screen and can like help guys like Scoot Henderson and Amphrey Simons and 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 Shane Sharp to some extent, like just make their lives easier. If you're going to have guys, like if your best players are guards, um, you need, and, and it's a pick and roll league for the most part, um, the Blazers kind of moved in and out of running really heavy pick and roll offenses to Dame's preference and running a more um, kind of rickety off ball offense early in the season. They had like the best offense in the league from December to March. So they got, when they got going, they were really, good and part of it because they had um one of the best offensive players in the sport um so that helps a lot but you know teams are still going to run a bunch of pick and roll or at least like pick and roll actions and having us having bigs matters if you're going to like having a competent big matters and dr j pitched like why not a reunion with myers leonard someone who sets beefy screens someone who like really really crushes people on screens has a physicality you know can shoot a little bit has some athleticism although it's you know he's like 31 32 so it's it's not what he was when he got in the league and he was flying everywhere but like why not why not you know why not a reunion with someone like that as opposed to upside big just like a a more sort of like super low ceiling but kind of like that mid-tier floor where it's like okay this is a third center in the league and nothing more than that but like at, at least this is someone who's like an NBA rotation player, or at least like a fringe NBA rotation player and not like a probably a two-way guy that you're taking a flyer on. I said, Dr. J, that's a decent idea. Um, I don't think Myers Leonard is very good, but like that's like that. I followed the logic. And then I was like, okay, so what are some other veteran centers? And I had done something similar to the exercise, similar to this in a previous episode. And I, re- I consulted my notebook, literally right here, for those of you watching on YouTube, consulted the notebook. And I said, okay, well, I had Billy Hernan Gomez's name written down. I had Bismack Biombo's name written down, Frank Kaminsky, Willie Colley Stein, Dwayne Dedman. And um, those 
those gentlemen aren't good. <laughs> Throw them in the Myers Leonard same pit, man. Those are those are those are third centers in the league. Um, kind of are what they are. Uh, I like Billy Hernan Gomez because he can really really rebound. I like Bismack Biombo because I think he's a cool dude and he sets screens hard, but he has no hands. Um, I think Frank Kaminsky has an interesting personality. I was a believer in Willie Cauley Stein like four seasons ago, but probably have have. Um, am not anymore and I think Dwayne Dedman has a really fun name to say it's alliterative that's my biggest compliment I will offer him at this moment and that got me landing on where I am now it's like shoot just keep use of Nurkic I think there is a worry if the Blazers were to go super duper extra young that you just don't get enough positive developmental minutes that it's like you don't have enough competent NBA players on the court to run good, useful minutes. They're going to still be bad. You don't have to worry about them like winning too many games and blowing up a lottery pick or whatever. You might even want them to win games because you're not a sicko. And if you're, and like, and if that's the case, if my sicko's out there rooting for a 17-win season, I see y'all, and I'm going to record a podcast all year long during those 65 losses. Um, like, there is... Even if you're going to be, even if they're not going to be very good, right? And they're going to win 28 games, like just having competent players. So particularly Scoot Henderson, a pick, a guy who looks like just going to be a pick and roll ace in the league, looks so good running pick and roll in this 21 minutes in Vegas. Like, um, you just want him like someone who can set a, like a real screen for him and get him like actually open. And Nurk can do that for all of Nurk's warts. Setting good screens and being like a good pick and roll partner is not his issue. It's finishing, it's consistency, it's body language, it's defense, it's conditioning. But like setting a mean screen, Nurk does that. Nurk does that. Nurk can pass a little bit out of the high post. So you can run dribble handoffs with him. He started shooting threes a little bit. So there's like a pick and poppy, change the geometry type stuff with running pick and rolls. If you're just picking like, hey, is there a is there an below average NBA center that the Blazers could have on the roster? Nurk is fine. In in like, I think in a world where you're trying to be good, the Blazers would there's some value in upgrading from Nurk. And I think in the like the longer term, like the next say like two two seasons, there'd be some value in having like a, a much more athletic rim rolling center to play with Scoot. But like because the Blazers have basically sat out the team building phase of of the offseason for all for all of July um, except when their hands were forced by um, clutch sports and then Matisse Thibel getting a, a contract offer from the Dallas Mavericks like they're not going that sort of like young athletic rim rolling center is not there they're going to even have to draft that or trade for that at some point in the future so for now it's like you're just looking for competence and I think when you look at who's left and if they were to trade Nurk and um, you know obviously if if the Blazers can get, can net a, a decent starting center in whatever Damian Lord trade and Nurk leaves, that's fine. Do that. Like I don't know. Like I don't want to get into all the, the millions of permutations of that because I promise I wouldn't talk about the Damian Lord trade stuff, even though I like basically led the episode with it again today because I'm a I'm a dirty liar. But if you look at who's left and you look at who's like the picking order of like the, the, the who's left to be to be picked when you when you're just saying like, okay, what if we had a veteran center? What if we just had like someone who could like for sure come in there and we know that they could give you 18 NBA minutes and they're not going to be very good, but at least they're like, have proven they can play. The list is not very compelling. For me, the list is not very compelling. Um, I, I think there is no greater nightmare for a young team than to start a front court of Jeremy Grant and Christian Wood. So let's 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 not do that. Um, I know Christian Wood has his fans. I said on yesterday's episode, if you're his fan, that's... Go for it. I'm I'm happy for you. He's not my not my guy. Um, 
but like beyond him who's kind of beyond wood who's kind of just like hasn't found an nba home this nurk seems like the best of the rest and if he is still here when the dust settles I think he has functional use for the Blazers and particularly Scoot Henderson and Avery Simons, guys who are going to run heavy pick-and-roll stuff because he can do that. He can be a pick-and-roll center. It's not great. Doesn't roll the rim. Doesn't finish above the rim. But he's like, will he set a mean screen and open up space for a for a point guard who's a good pick-and-roll operator? Yes, and he's proven that. He's also proven that he has some some limitations. But like the the like set a screen to to sort of get the get the action going. Nurk can check that box almost every time down the floor. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. We do five of these a week, Monday through Friday. So come back for tomorrow's show. I appreciate you listening. Tell your friends, I guess. That would be great. If you made it this far on the podcast, tell a friend. I appreciate you listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.